Hi, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will, and today we have a special guest with us. We have JC Groves with the Recovering Fundamentalist here. Uh, really excited actually to chat with him. If you guys haven't, check out their podcast. They got a lot of good content. It's actually a lot of fun too. Unlike our podcast, which tends to be very nerdy, theirs is actually just, act, they actually know how to have fun in their show. So anyway, JC, thanks for coming on today and taking some time out of your busy schedule uh, and you know all that good stuff and tell your why thank you also for letting you hang out with me today. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks for having me on, Will. I no, pro- no problem. So I just wanted to have you on real quick. Your, your show kind of struck me uh, when I was just a friend of mine recommended you to me. And your, fr- your show struck me in a special kind of way because as someone who went to Fairhaven Baptist College or Crown College of the Bible, uh, yeah, um, as someone who, who's noticed a lot of things where I was constantly going, man, these issues that we seem to be fighting and dividing over and the things that are, are fueling this movement, they have so, there's so much passion here but so much like wrong here. And I was like, if there's a way we could encapsulate this, it would be <laughs> so great. Um, but... With that being said, well, your show kind of finally exposed some of the things that I had noticed and I was talking about, but I knew I didn't know if anyone else was talking about this on a wider scale. So it really struck and resonated with me because I was like, oh, this, you mean I'm not crazy? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> some people would still argue me on that, but it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I was just wondering, would you, what's your background in the ministry and the IFB and you know, like when did you accept Christ? All that good stuff. So just tell us about you. Yeah, so I, you know, I grew up. Uh, my JC actually stands for John Calvin, and uh, so we grew up. You know, my dad was Cumberland Presbyterian until we moved to Indianapolis, um, and he went to school there in Indianapolis. And it was like his view just kind of switched. He bought in hook, line, and sinker, and I mean, it went from like we're a normal Presbyterian family, you know, to we're independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, sin-hating, shoot hell with the water pistol, King James only now, like. Like we're, you know, mom, you're wearing culottes and skirts from here on out. I had to swim in blue jeans. Like, you know, because nakedness is showing your thigh. So we had to swim in jeans that that's miserable to learn how to swim in jeans, by the way. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. I feel like it's a uh, safety hazard. (laughs) Yeah. Sink or swim, kid. I was a Husky kid, so I floated. So it was good. But, you know, we had a so we grew up there in Indiana. And uh, when I was probably 10, which is late 80s, we moved to Chattanooga uh, where dad went to Tennessee Temple University, like any good independent fundamental Baptist does. Amen. And, uh, you know, so we, uh, we came down here and I just started growing up. And, you know, it was it was weird. Like I was in it, but I didn't realize how deep in the legalism of the IFB that we really were. Um, my dad uh, pastored a church for a while here in Ringgold, Georgia, where I actually pastor now. And uh, it's funny, he pastored that church. It's now a museum for the Civil War. I was like, job, Dad, you were such a bad pastor, you turned it into a museum, like <laughs> literally a museum. Um, but, you know, we grew up here, and, and it was weird, like, the, the coming out of the IFB, if you will. It wasn't like uh, you know, some of the guys on the podcast, Brian, you know, he was reading scripture and it really just impacted him and the, the conviction that was there where Nate, you know, he had his turn. Mine was more, I watched my parents, my mom especially, start testing the waters, Moody Radio, uh, sneaking out and listening to, which I'm a, I'm a radio host at Moody Radio now, which is crazy because part of my coming out of the IFB world was I would sneak and listen to pastors like Tony Evans and, uh, you know, Ravi Zacharias and people like that. And, and it was just different. They didn't use the King James. They weren't saying it wasn't all hell and salvation and turn or burn and you're going to hell in a handbasket. There was grace and hope and here's how to live that. And I, I, I remember as a kid being like, there's something different here. Um, I, I grew up uh, singing Southern gospel. Uh, I traveled with a lot of Southern gospel groups and my whole life was just this performance-based faith. I think the IFB world, what it does is it puts us in a performance base where we're living for people's acceptance rather than from it with who God says we are. We're his kid. And and I got stuck in this this kind of cycle of just living for people's acceptance. And um, 
at six years old uh, at Vacation Bible School in Indianapolis, Indiana, at Thompson Road Baptist Church is where we went. I got shoved up underneath a communion table at uh, Vacation Bible School. I will not forget it. The power went out. The pastor flipped on the flashlight, and he was like, we're not going to hell, and he preached the gospel message, and it literally scared the hell out of me that night. So me and a bunch of friends went down and got stood up in front of everybody and said, these kids just got saved. And I was like, I have no idea what I did. But the next Sunday, I was in the baptismal, and I was like, I can barely touch the bottom of this. I had no clue what was going on. And I lived off that moment for a long time. At 20 years old, um, I was uh, engaged to be married. I was living in Yakinville, North Carolina. Uh, Yakinville? Yakinville, living on Booger Swamp Road. Nothing says America like that, right? I wow. Mean, Shazam. It was literally <laughs> Mayberry. Like, literally Mayberry. Mayberry is right there in Yakinville. Yakinville. God save me from two hills, one literal. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, I was engaged to be married. And, you know, part of my story, I was sitting in church on a Wednesday night. I was about 15 days away from marrying the pastor's daughter. I was going to work at the church. I was going to be there. And it was just as if God said, JC, I don't know you. And I pulled out my good old independent fundamental Baptist list that I have pulled out a hundred thousand times when I would think these things. I, I go to church. I, I sing in the choir. I tithe. I wore a suit this Sunday. I got my King James Bible. I, you know, and just my checklist. Um, and and at that point, it was going on. I went to a Christian university. I played Jesus in the Chattanooga Passion Play for five years. Well, you can't get more Christian than playing Jesus. I mean, <laughs> God, I was him. Like, I, I, <laughs> my name's JC. Come on, we share the same initials, man. Uh, <laughs> like. Like I, I just had this this sense of checklist. I'm good, and I. But I was so terrified. Like I lived in fear that I was going to sin or mess up and not make the the rapture. And if I would call my mom and she wouldn't answer the phone, and I'd call dad. He would. I would literally call the church secretary just to hear her answer the phone. So I was like, okay, the church secretary is there. We're good. The rapture didn't happen. That's how crazy the independent fundamental Baptist scare tactics were in my life. I wow. Was so it was like in your brain. Like right I, in there. I lived it every moment. And, and you know, and I'm guilty. I, I've said this many times on the podcast. I wish I could go back to see when I was preaching because I've used those same scare tactics in sermon, getting students to come to an altar, to raise a hand so I could go and brag. Fifteen people just came to an altar. You know, I, I didn't preach one thing that had any theological seriousness or realness to it, but 15 people were broken at an altar, bless God, and I went out and posted about that, but, you know, I just scared them because I didn't want them to leave there and a dump truck hit them and they split hell wide open at breakneck speed. Can't tell you how many times I've said that and I've repented for it and, like, just repentance over and over, like, God, I'm sorry that ever came out of my mouth, you know, please let those people that that false gospel, that false sense of security, that like fire insurance, if you will, I pray that they meet you for real, who you are. And I've prayed that a lot over the years. But at 20, 20 21 years old, um, I was sitting there on that Wednesday night, and God just said, I don't know you. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I pulled out my, my list again, and I got up and left church. And I was sitting in my uh, Jeep on old 601 Highway in Davis, North Carolina, and I uh, I'll never forget the battle that was just raging in there. My thoughts, my heart, the pride that I had built up from what is everybody going to think about me? I'm the Southern gospel singer. I played Jesus in the Passion Play. I've been student body vice president at Tennessee Temple University. Like I had uh, like the list, my checklist. And I just said, you know what, God? I let go of the steering wheel and I said, I'm done. I'm done running. I would rather know in my heart that I'm a follower of yours and that you love me and accept me than what anybody thinks. Then I need you. Save me. And I'm telling you, it was like the, I didn't see an image of Jesus come up on the windshield and the Holy Spirit didn't come through the air vents, but man, I knew something was different in that moment. And uh, I got back to the house, that chick I was supposed to marry. I said, Hey, I know this may sound a little awkward, but I just got saved. I gave my life to Jesus for real. And uh, I said, I, I'm, I, you know, there wasn't a, a big change. I wasn't like a, horrible person into this great person. It wasn't a salt of Paul moment, but I knew there was a miracle that had taken place. And I left Yakinville that night. It was a Saturday night. I drove all the way home, walked into my home church, Temple Baptist Church in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, walked up to Aaron Hampton, uh, who was our pastor. I said, hey, man, 
I just gave my life to Jesus. He hugged me and said, man, that's the best news I've ever heard. And I got baptized that day. Nobody believed it. Like everybody there, I'm JC. I'm the singer boy. I'm the preacher kid. Like, you know, that. what are you doing? You know, and here I am. Fun fact, the day I got baptized was the day that Nathan, who's on our podcast, surrendered to preach. And uh, so right after I come out of the water, Nathan stands up and answers the call to preach. And I was just like, me and Nathan have been best friends for a long, long time. And, uh, and so it's crazy. I just, I went back to North Carolina, uh, 10 days before the wedding, she dumped me and I, I was like, I'm out of here. And I, what? Said, I think God saved me from two hells. He literally saved me from two hells, bro. <laughs> and uh, I came back to, uh, I came back to Chattanooga and I did not know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know if I was supposed to go to church because everything in me, there was so much pride that was built up. It was all about what JC could do. And, um, I just say, God, I, I want to. If you want me to sing, I'll sing. If you want me to pastor, I'll pastor. If you want me to just go to church and just tithe, that's what I'll do. And uh, I got a call from a buddy that worked at Tennessee Temple, and he said, "Hey, I hear you want to take some time off. We want you to travel, and all we want you to do is is recruit for Temple, but go to Christian high schools for two semesters, preach at their chapel, and promote the school." I was like, "Dude." the opportunity to go to Christian high schools all over the country and preach at their chapel. That's me. That's people like me that think they're doing it all right because they're at Christian school. And you and I know just as well as any of them that Christian schools are worse than public schools. A lot of times, I mean, there's drugs. Someone said it. Someone said it. Christian schools suck. I mean, they really do. There's a, can I say suck on the church? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Trust me. It's just, no, you're good. Christian podcast, but all right, um, you can edit that out. Um, but, you know, <laughs> now I'll you know, keep it. Uh, yeah, but I, I was like, you know what? I get the opportunity to go and to preach at chapel for a bunch of Christian kids that are just hellions. You know, they're 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 two faced. They're just like I was, and it was awesome, and uh, I loved it. And then that led me to. Um, I, I was still kind of stuck in that legalism. I, I was I was sensing that tendency to get out of there. I knew there was something different. Took my first job as a youth pastor at a very, uh, very, very legalistic Baptist church, and uh, everything from there on. It was just it was it was kind of a slow fade out because I realized real quick after being there that I was not this anymore. Um, I'm I'm I don't see eye to eye with the the legalism, the the things that are being taught. And I'm sure we'll break that down and kind of talk about it as we go on. But God freed me from that. And, uh, you know, here we are. And it's almost 17 years that I've been out of the IFB, if you will. And, you know, I, I, I tried to kind of I think what happens a lot of times when people leave the IFB, they want to play a little bit of both world. They, they want to still keep a foot in the IFB because that's our friends. There's family there. There's really good people that we do love. But on the other aspect, we're like, man, I'm tasting the new that, that he talks about the new life and the realness that comes. And, and so, but we try to play this fence game. You know, that's why Nathan and Brian and I, when we started recovering fundamentals, I was like, guys, you know, this is a line in the sand. Like there's no going back after this. Like, Absolutely. This, this will label us. Like we cannot, you know, any dreams, like honestly, there was like, any dreams of being asked to come back and preach at a camp meeting or an IFB service, like those are out the window. So if if you're willing to go there, and honestly, we've, we've been talking about this podcast for years, like this conversation right here, we finally just said, we've got to do it. And, you know, it's, it's real interesting. If, you know, podcasts like yours, there's a few others that have risen up and it's like, there's a, just this defining moment where God said, let's go. And there's, it's crazy how right at the same time, there's all these folks that are trying to bring reform, if you will, I believe, to the IFB. I don't necessarily know if reform could ever happen in that world. I think there's a lot of heart change with everything that's going on in our world. I think all of it stems back to the same thing. It's got to be a heart change before anything happens. And there, there definitely can be a reform. That's what we feel like we're doing. We're just on the front edge of leading that charge, if you will. So, no, that's my that's, story. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always hard to like. How do I uh, compile all these years uh, into that? No, mine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> my story. I left. I left IFB when I was probably about twenty-two. I finally left it all behind me, and it was just I had one one like car wreck after another car wreck of situations, and finally I, it was like this weird like, like same thing. I got saved when I was seventeen. Uh, same thing. Whereas like I held on to this one moment, and then all of a sudden I realized that I didn't know God. Like. 
right. at all. And then so when that moment happened, exactly. same thing, that, that freedom, and then seeing the other restrictions that these people live by, and then when I was there, and then the more and more, it's like, even if I asked something, like asked a question, I realized I was condemned so badly, depending on what the question was. And it was yeah. like, okay, but I'm just trying to be inquisitive. I'm trying to be critical and make sure I'm, I, 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 I love God. I want to make sure everything's accurate. So, um, so when it comes down to this, I, I completely agree, and I, I see that I, I think it, that we're seeing more and more of this happening. In fact, I've always joked around that my church is a lot of recovering fundamentalists, and that I'm at a lot of people who are like trying to leave the IFB, but they want they still want that solid ground, you know, of taking the word seriously, but they right. just don't want to, like. I, oh, no, I want to take the word seriously, but that means that legalism has to go, right. and I have, have to be able to take the, and that means, you know, all these man-made regulations, they can go, man, they can go, yeah. like, stop. So, uh, I get it, and I think that's awesome, and I, I love the fact that you guys are owning that charge. That was kind of a thing for me, too, when I first started writing my blog, which I was putting out publicly. This was one of those things where it's like, I was working through legalistic issues in my mind, and I was putting my thoughts down, I'd send it out, and sometimes i just get some nasty responses, oh, yeah. and I'm like, guys, I'm just I'm just trying to, trying to think here, like, I'm just, and I'm putting it out there for peer review and was funny i realized the more and more people disagreed when i had some substantiate it they never could and i was like okay right. that's telling like okay right. so you really have nothing uh yep. now i and then i didn't know where else to go and now long story short here i am but anyway um so while working in the IFB, which you've worked in the IFB for quite a while, and, and now you're obviously not. So yeah. while working in the IFB, what sorts of things did you start to notice that actually made you begin questioning the movement? Like what were these little things? I know we, we use this term legalism kind of as a broad yeah. stroke, uh, but for some of our listeners, they're not raised in these environments, so they might sure. not even know. Sure. You know, I think a lot of the, the things that we talk about, it, it's the man-made ideologies that become Bible. It, the biggest thing that really just started driving me nuts was seeing people taking their opinion and preference and making it scriptural and taking the scripture and backing that up when that scripture had nothing to do with that. Jesus did not turn water into Welch's grape juice. He turned it into wine. But you know how many messages I've heard of Jesus turned the water into Welch's grape juice? I'm like, come on, it's it's wine, you know? I mean, that's the, and it's probably the best that you've ever tasted, you know? Um, it, it was little things like that. There was, there was little, it, nothing, I mean, there's a lot of big stuff, but it was honestly the little things that really started getting under my skin the pants, the women in pants, the just the legalistic tendencies of the old past. If there's one thing that drives me nuts, it's when people talk about we need to stick with the old past. I have asked this question for 15, 16, 17 years. What is the old past? What is the old time religion you're talking about? Nobody can answer that because when they talk about it, they go back to old fashioned Sunday. They put overalls on. And I'm like, OK, so what did the folks Back in the time frame when you put the overalls on and sing the hymns, what was old-fashioned Sunday to them? You know, because for 50, 60, 70 years they've been talking about the old-time religion. What is that? You know, that I tell you, I remember one morning I was I was traveling with the Southern Gospel Group and I was sitting in a service and the choir got up and they sing they sang this song, Lord, we need a fresh anointing. We cannot borrow from yesterday. It went on. But that line, Lord, we need a fresh anointing. That was kind of the gist of the song. I was like, this is real. This is good. We do. We need a fresh anointing. And I'm not kidding. The song ended. He turned around and said, all right, let's stand and sing. Give me that old time religion. And I remember in my brain, something clicked, <laughs> and I went, you've got to be kidding me. We just said we need a fresh anointing followed by give me that old time religion. I'm like, those two don't coexist. And the, honestly, I think that was kind of the moment as a teenager, where it started questioning, I was like, something's different here. Um, and then, you know, just working in the church, my first church I worked at, there was a lot of legalism that was taking place, um, you know, just, just from the point of dress standard, the King James only, you know, uh, movement, which that's a whole different episode in itself, which you've already done a great job of. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's things like that. Um, music, uh, you know, I mean, the beat, the rhythm, uh, just seeing a lot of evangelists that come in that are one way in the pulpit and a dirty freaking human being out of the pulpit jokes humor the way that they are i'm just like this is not this is not real it, it's kind of 
they know the they know their audience, and so they're going to prime that pump a little bit. And just honestly, the showmanship of legalism that is found in a lot of IFB churches. Um, there's there's so much. It's it's hard to pinpoint it down to one particular thing or to sort of things that kind of made me notice or start questioning. It was a lot of little things that ultimately led to a grander scope where where I backed up and took a 30,000 view look and realized that, man, there's a macro problem here. It's not minimal, but there's something big that's fundamentally wrong. And uh, now I can't help but just to see everything, you know, I mean, there's, there's kind of, there's a lot that I don't agree with. And so it wasn't disgruntled. There was nothing that ever happened to me. Um, Well, I mean, there was a lot that, you know, we could go into there, but it was a lot of little things that just started peaking my, my mind that was like, Something's not right here. Something's off. And I, I, we, and that's why we do the podcast. Everything we say and everything we do, we want to back it up with Scripture. And I started realizing a lot of stuff that's being said in the IFB that can't back it up with Scripture because it's man-made, man-made uh, thoughts, man-made ideas, preferences, uh, you know, that I'm just like— That's yeah. also arbitrary. Oh, 100%. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Exactly. Yeah, and then like I, I, when you're talking about some of these issues, like one of the ones that came to mind, one of the I had a lot of random breaking moments uh, I, when I was in youth group. My my youth pastor was always a really great guy, but there was something about his wife that always just she always was so I don't know how to put it besides like catty critical i don't know and yeah. was, uh, so and oddly enough though like uh, sadly like she ended up leaving home for it there's this whole like affair situation that happened with her and it was like oh my word this is the most legalistic person that was not down my throat and turned her come, come to find out it was all bunk like it, like yeah. you didn't you didn't even live it but then the, there's one particular time just for audience members who don't understand how some of this legalism might work there's a girl that came to my church for a period of time um her name uh which she was probably about 16 years old and she was from a divorce home was with every other weekend was at our church beautiful singing voice and she was like you know what? i really just want to sing for church now like i've been coming here for a while i have some good a couple good friends and we're like yeah and i was like i'll play guitar we'll do uh come thou found it'll be great and she uh she bought, went out and bought a dress specifically to sing up front. And the dress, I'm not even kidding, JC, was this much above her kneecap. Oh, like this. Hell. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And she showed up and she was so excited to sing. Yeah. And she was approached by five ladies telling her that she needed to put on more clothes before she went yeah. up in front and sang. I'm like, this is a girl who has been going to our church for three months from a yeah. divorced home, is get, getting excited about this whole God thing, and then you go hit that, like, where's our priorities? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's just, it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, you want a certain cookie cut, and, you know, of course, there's nothing in Scripture about exactly how how that length should go or anything, but you know what? That's going to be our arbitrary line. We don't want to see them kneecaps, because us guys cannot control ourselves around kneecaps. Oh, I'm telling you what, my watch kneecaps, woo, son. Don't even get me started on my wife's ankles. Oh, <laughs> oh show <sure. laughs> When I was youth pastor, the very first church I was at, we had a kid that was a practicing Wicca member. This is back, you know, early 90s. Whoa! Um, he's Wicca. And I, while I'm up preaching, they would always, like, flick at me. And I asked him one day, I said, what are y'all doing? He said, man, we're trying to cast spells on you, but it's not working. I was like, oh, well, you're not really a witch. Um, you know, and this dude gave his life to Jesus. He, he came Wow, Jesus. And this is the year that Indescribable came out. I can't remember what year that was. Fact check that. Um, but Indescribable, Chris Tomlin, you know, that's in Baptist hymnals now. Hmm. Imagine that. Um, you know. Uh-oh. Yeah. So this kid came in. Well, I'm at this first church. The choir director had left. I'm up leading us in congregational singing, Indescribable. He walks in. He's got a trench coat on. He had been saved maybe two weeks. You know, he his obedience is not perfect, but he's trying. He learned that song. A dude that was a witch, a Wicca member, a month ago, learned Indescribable. He come walking in. He moves his hair like this. And I was like, come on, front row, sit with me. He's got a hat on, like one of these round hats. He's got a trench coat on. He has long black hair. It's in front of his face. Dude dealt with insecurity like crazy. I, I had to talk him so much to come to church that day. I was so excited to see this guy walk in the back door. He walked up, stood on the front, and I could see his lips moving, you know, moving to indescribable. And I was like, this is incredible. I was about to lose it. This old man come walking from the back row, grabbed his hat, took it off, threw it on the pew, and was going like this to him in his face. I literally stopped the 
music. I walked down there. I picked his head up. I put it on him. I looked at the old man. I said, you need to go sit your old butt down and don't ever talk to a teenager in this house again. This is not your church. This is the house of God. He's just as welcome as you are. That kid grabbed his hat, walked out. To this day, he has not stepped foot. I literally talked to him probably maybe three months ago. I, I He friended me on social media. And I mean, that's been almost 17, 18 years ago. And he's like, dude, I want nothing to do with the church because of that one dude. And that, that moment really pivoted for me. That, that was the, it wasn't a few months after that, that I quit and I never worked in an IFB church again. Like it was, I was right in, I was still in college when I worked there. And uh, that was, that was kind of a pivotal moment for me, if you will, that, that snapped me into like this, Hey, something's not right here, you know, it, and it's preference over purpose. And uh, that that's what really, in a, in a certain way, just kind of said, something's not right. We need a change. And uh, I've never been back to an IFB church since. I mean, yeah, I get it. I mean, like I said, I pastor a church now, and it's funny because they were, I think I told you before the interview, I was like, it's kind of, they were. They didn't know if they were independent fundamentalists or not. Yeah. Then they hired they hired a guy who was a Crown graduate who was super IFB, and then they're like, well, we really don't like that. Then they got me, and they're like, we really don't like him either. So a bunch of them left. But what's funny is the fact that they, but the people who left, but a bunch of people stayed too because like, yeah, but he has the Bible, and he's doing a pretty good job at kind of like showing you all that you're wrong. And I say this all the time. It's not the fact that I'm showing you that you're wrong. It's that these are things that I was shown wrong on. Like, I'm just going, like, this is truth. I had to change once I was confronted with it. Um, I, I changed my position even on alcohol was one of those things where I'm like, I had to study the Bible and once I, and I was trying to prove a friend wrong. And then I was like, ugh! No, I can't. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so you're basically saying that there was not, there was a lot, and I, I agree with this, there wasn't like there was one single thing that snapped for me. It was just this compounding of little things because uh, I didn't even realize how big some of the lies were until I did get out of it and then I studied it. Um, right. So uh, so you're saying like there's not – so you would agree there's not a specific thing for you that probably – that likely snapped uh, and that was like, exactly. oh, this one – I like King James only is a maybe like, oh, this whole lie I believe my whole life I – it wasn't something that snapped. It was a small thing. So I think that's true right. uh, for a lot of people. Same thing with my buddy Ethan, who was on the program. He was like, just talk about all these little things that he's experienced. He's like, and now I'm over here, like, I don't know what to do, but I'm so excited about this fresh new world yeah. uh, of God that I want everyone else to experience. But at the same time, you know, I don't think they're going to be willing to accept me. I'm like, yeah, sadly, you want to work in unity sometimes with them, but they won't be willing to work in unity with you. That's because unity has to go both ways. You know, it can't just be me just conforming yeah. to all of you. So, um, so anyway, when you left the IFB, like, what was your reaction and your own family's reaction? Because that could be interesting depending on how deep you were in it. Yeah. You know, I think it was such an, uh, the, the phase out wasn't like a one day I'm here, the next day I'm not. Um, I think there was more. I was working at a IFB church, um, and two months after I got there, the pastor left. He embezzled about $2 million, $2.4 million. And I went, I went from being yeah classy. And I went on a Thursday in my first church from being the student pastor to on Thursday, him, the associate pastor, the deacons, the trustees, everybody's gone. And I'm just this kid that's like, let's do church, you know? And so my transition was more, um, I started seeing there, there were so many chiefs and no Indians, if you will. And I start, started seeing preference that I was so hurt by a lot of the junk that was going on there, man. It was, it was, it was the closest thing to hell I'm ever going to experience. Let's be honest with you. I mean, the, the ugly side of people. And so my leaving, the IFB was more my family, even though they didn't agree with the new stances that I was taking, my dad, especially with alcohol, with, you know, music choices, with dress in church, you know, wearing a hat in the house of God or not wearing a suit or your Sunday finest or things like that. There was a lot of like, uh, it, 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 not a hurt relationship, but there was a lot of mistrust that went both ways. Like, why are these things that that have always been put in place? And he can never give answers to that. It was just tradition. It was who we are and what we did. Um, now, my grandparents, on the other hand, uh, my papa was a, a big time pastor. He traveled with Bob Jones, John R. Rice. You know, he he flipped over to the uh, sort of the Lord camp with Shelton Smith with, you know, and then he was also in the other camp, which is crazy. So he had these guys, but then he was in the Sammy Allen, the Phil Kidd camp. And I'm like, dude, you're like a chameleon, man. You're like, you could, he could blend in with anybody. 
it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced. And so I would go to a, you know, uh, up in Murfreesboro where sort of the Lord's at, I would go to a conference with him. We would go to Southwide and then we'd end up at Faith Baptist Bible Camp in Resaca, Georgia with folks running on the back of pews and hooping and hollering and all this. And so it was really interesting, just the dynamic of differences that we had. And, you know, my family's reaction was more, my, my grandparents, uh, I remember one time and, and we're good now. Uh, my papa just passed away a couple months ago and, uh, you know, right as he was towards the end of his life, he started really, um, coming around to the point where he's like, I'm proud of you. I, I love you. I, I, you love Jesus. And it, it was, I don't know if he was losing his mind a little bit, but it was more, it wasn't the, 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 the traditions that he was holding on to. It was the love of Jesus. And he just became a very compassionate, loving person. And I was just like, man, this is the guy that I, what would our relationship be like if this was who you were forever? You know, cause it was, you're not preaching in my, he, he pastored a Horace, Bob, Horace Baptist church in Horace, Illinois. And, told me many times, you can't preach unless you preach King James. You can't sing here if you have drums, because I was traveling Southern Gospel, so I would have to sing with an organ and a piano. And I had to conform to who he is. And I'll never forget we're in his office one day. He said, listen, he said, this is who my people expect me to be. This is who I have to be. So this is what you've got to be if you're going to preach or sing here. And, you know, I, that really, I was like, he's he's kind of handcuffed. He's He's held down from being who he really wants to be. And I'll be honest with you, we just received an email at the Recovering Fundamentals podcast just a couple days ago that, man, I, as I read it, I just wept because it was a guy who's an independent fundamental Baptist pastor in Pound, Virginia, where my papal pastored the last few years of his life before he he really took a turn and moved here to Chattanooga. And he said, listen, he said, your papa was one of the most compassionate men who didn't look at tradition, but looked at me as a human and as a pastor and really helped me during some hard times. And I was like, man, this man who made me literally change to preach at his church in the last years of his life, I, I feel like he almost discovered what grace was that knew that real life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10. And it wasn't legalism and rules. It was grace. It was life more abundantly. And, you know, to stand up and preach his funeral and just talk about the, the newness of who he was, it, it, it hurt our relationship. There were a few years there that um, I was kind of the, uh, I mean, I remember one time hearing him say that Satan was really working in my life. Um, you know, I, I, I had people in the Southern Gospel world, in the IFB world that, um, man, the blogs, the emails, um, the, the stories, the church I pastor here in Ringgold, uh, when we started it, some of my old friends we're going to pick it the first day that we opened and they were calling us a cult um, because we're not, we're a non-denom uh, community church and they literally were coming to pick it the first day. And so I told our folks, I said, have coffee ready. Let's get ready to go out there and welcome them. And you know, what's crazy is eight, eight years later, um, one of those guys that was the ring reader, uh, ring leader of that group um, has left the IFB and just, I mean, he's like four maybe three months out and we're having conversations all the time and he's apologizing and we're talking and he's like his eye, like the scales have been pulled from his eyes and he's like dude i'm sorry i put you through so much like i didn't realize this cult that i was stuck in and he used those words i was like it's true that's what it is and so you know my family it was it, nothing ever really got bad there wasn't a shunning if you will but it was more just, it, it created awkwardness. We just didn't talk about it. Um, I think there was a lot of prayer chains that had my name on it because I was living in the wild and I was a reprobate that was giving over to a reprobate mind. I can remember many nights where my dad would yell at me that I'm in rebellion. Um, I've heard that word a lot. I'm in rebellion. And I'd be like, why? Me too. Because I'm not wearing... Yeah, because I'm not wearing a suit to church, and I'm not preaching from a King James. I'm in rebellion. And, you know, and so it, it was it was an awkward time. But I wouldn't say that it really hurt anything, it, uh, like relationship-wise. It was just, it's just weird, man. And now it's crazy because, like, I mean, my grandmother, who is like, I mean, she's into Crown College. She loves Clarence Sexton. Like, I'll walk in and she'll be listening on Sunday mornings to that. Our God rings. You know, she loves that that kind of that style of singing, and she'll be like, "I listened to your podcast last night." I'm like, "Nanny, I really don't want you to listen to that." You know, but she's like. John Calvin, you're really making me think about some stuff. And I'm like, my goodness, at 80-something years old, for her to say that, I'm like, I've, I've longed for that my whole life, you know, because it's, it's just been good. So I, I don't think there's, like, been this aha moment or this big family fight or blow up. It was just a slow 
process that ultimately I will win because they're all here now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on yeah. them. Hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, oh, no, it's funny because there's a friend. I was always uh, a friend of mine from college, uh, good friends of ours. She always called me Worldly Will because back in Crown, I was always the rebellious kid. <laughs> so I was Worldly Will. And uh, and they never agreed with anything I said. And there, it was always this yeah. constantly weird tension. He one, guy, he one time, he even made fun of the music he heard. And what was funny is that, uh, they kept talking about how all the struggles that they have with these legalistic things. And I was like, guys, like, you know, the problem is, is the fact that you're still in the IFB world. And oddly enough, yeah. now this per- now this person is actually writing a really big blog because that they went through a huge uh, spiritual abuse situation that like was that scale of the eyes moment as you talked about, yeah. and that's usually what happens. So happen so a lot of people's like they have this moment where like, oh, I'm not re- I didn't realize how deep in, and I like moments like that where you're. I had an older guy from my church uh, change his position on something who was like as fundy as they got and he started ch- he changed his position on all of it and I was like this is crazy he's 82 years old and changing that was exactly. awesome uh, having somebody like my buddy Ethan who was on the program your friend who to contact you who's yeah. so into it and like like rebuked you for it and then turns around and now is co- you're the helping hand it's like man this is why this is all the ridicule right. so worth it just to be able to minister in such a cool way so that's fantastic so um, did you have any close friends or anyone that really responded negatively to you during that time at all outside of being picketed at your church yeah i mean those guys it it was crazy when i left when i left the first church that i was the youth pastor at all those guys were there they were kind of the preacher boys if you will under this pastor and i they were friends i mean they were they were close friends of mine and this one guy that i'm talking about he he literally went from on a friday night he lived across the street from us, him, the guy that lived next door to us and me, you know, they're over there drinking a beer. I'm hitting golf balls in my yard. He went to this camp meeting and got radically saved. And the next Friday homeboy was in a suit in his front yard, preaching at me at this neighbor guy who was not a Christian because he had been radically saved. And that's what he felt he needed to do. And I was like, bro, you're not going to reach it. You were literally drinking a beer with him last Friday. And now you're preaching against me. He said, I've been changed. I've, I've made a de- you know and i was just like okay you're caught up in an emotional moment like you're caught up in the hype of the meeting that you just went to and you felt good because you ran and the music was good and people were screaming and it was more of a dean mcneese type feel i don't know if you know who that is the tabernacle here yeah and there's videos google that Woo. um but you know it it was i lost a lot of those guys Uh, i i have lost a lot of friends um in the last 20 years there have been a lot of people that have just kind of walked away because of this. I mean, my whole world was IFB. My whole world, you know, I, it, there's been a lot of people that have just kind of written it off as, <clears throat> you know, the folks that said, well, Satan's really working in his life because I'm I'm in probably, I would say in this area, we're the most contemporary church, if you will. You know, I mean, I, I wear jeans and a T-shirt. That's what we do on Sundays. Amen, you know, amen. We're a very conservative town. You know, we, we, it, it, I think there's a, there's a lot of these guys that have written blogs and, you know, have podcasts that call us out. And especially now that the podcast is out, I mean, bro, we're, we're getting, we're getting blown up with haters. I love it. Oh yeah, eat that up. You gotta have thick skin. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's the thing. So you really, uh, Brian and I were talking about that earlier. We were like, you know, it kind of gets, but only certain people can kind of do this sort of thing because you need to have thick oh, enough yeah. skin. You need to have a, a certain combative enough attitude, but yet a loving, compassionate spirit to, for people to be able to go, man, this guy doesn't take it. But at the same time, I can tell he truly loves the people he's trying to reach. Uh, so that's yeah. Yeah. that was what stuck me out because I heard about this recovering fundamentalist podcast. I'm like, okay, is this gonna be a mudslinging podcast where we just go IFB sucks and I'm like okay I could do that all day I could get really creative with my words believe you me Um, and I was like but I really don't want to listen to that but then I listened and it was like no these people uh, that's what I think makes it unique it's the fact that you guys call it the truth you have fun but you also keep it bible and it's compassionate it's like you guys are it's like all three of you somehow make this amazing little group that I think it really works for your for your uh, 
your ministry there. And I think it's important that you do that because we do need to reach this world and we need to stop fighting over the little things and start focusing on the big thing, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, so then of course there's fundamentals of the faith and I get that, but still. So back to back questions here. What is the biggest downfall of the IFB movement? And what is the biggest strength do you think of the IFB movement? And the question is, is it even a movement anymore? <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest, I don't know if it's a movement, honestly, it's kind of stagnant. Um, I think I think the biggest downfall is just the man-made ideology that is preached as gospel. And I really think, there are some, and I want to say this, there are some great people in the IFB. Absolutely. There are some great people who preach the truth that the stuff we're talking about makes them sick also. And they want to call that out. They are independent from a denomin like a denomination, but they're one in their own. They're their own body. And I think the biggest downfall is the is the God status that pastors have. I think in the IFB movement, they put a pastor on a pedestal. And what happens is if that pastor falls, the whole church is collapsing because it's built on a man. Um, the, there is Ooh. nothing in the Bible that talks about. Uh, we're, we're getting on. There's nothing about a man a bot in the Bible that talks about a man being the final authority. Um, there's there's a lack of accountability. Um, there's a lack of uh, clarity with the decisions that are made. Uh, my dad was a deacon of one of these type churches. He got removed from that because he was not a yes man. Uh, um, I think the biggest downfall is we put pastors, especially in the IFB, in this God position, and it gives them this authority. That's why they, so many IFB pastors are raping girls. That's why so many IFB pastors are having affairs. That's why so many IFB pastors are making horrible decisions, embezzling money, because there is no accountability. And I think the biggest downfall of the IFB is the lack of accountability and the God status that these guys have where they are equal with him. Oh man, that was, that is the truth. I've called it pastor worship. So I love how you call it the God mentality. Yeah. I call it pastor worship where it's like, I was at crown like, well, pastor Sexton says, and I was like, okay, well, hold up. But what does God say? Like, exactly. you know, and I even said, I, at my church and now I reinstituted our constitution. So that way I, it's like, no, I want the pastor myself to be more controlled in my powers. I don't want the, I want the accountability in our uh, elder circle because for that very same reason. Um, I didn't want that. Yeah. I, that's too much responsibility for one person. If I if I pull into an IFB church and I see a reserve for pastor parking spot or first lady, I'm like, yep, I can tell you everything you need to know about this church right yep, now. Yep, time to go. Pull in. All right, never mind. Go to the, go to the reformed <laughs> church down the street as God predestined. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, then, so what would you say is their biggest strength? Yeah. I think the biggest strength, and this is the thing that we get pushed back on a lot, is we're recovering fundamentalism. I think the fact that the IFB, especially a lot of them, there's fundamentals of the faith, and they do stand on those fundamentals of the faith. There are fundamentals that are taught in independent fundamental Baptists that we still believe, that we still hold to be true, the fundamentals of the Bible. That is not something that we are recovering from. We're not recovering from the fundamentals. We're recovering from the legalism that is found in the re in the fundamentalism church. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm just nodding. I, I'm absolutely oh. in complete agreement because that was, as a person who took, that's what got me to search was their emphasis of God's revelation through his word. So I started searching and searching and that's what got me to kind of snap was like, I was like, this doesn't, this isn't what the word says, but that was yeah. one of the fundamentals of the faith that they taught me. So I would exactly. absolutely agree with that. I think there's a lot in the IFB. I mean, I'm going to want a kid. Uh, I grew up a cubby, a spark, a pal, a pioneer. Like, I mean, I, I could quote half the King James Bible to you. Uh, um, you know, and I think Awana is a great thing. They they really, I, I think if they changed the method up a little bit, that there would be a lot of good in that. And was it so legalistic in the methods? I really feel like there's a lot of good that can come out of that. But sadly, the the bad overtakes the good with the legalism. And that's just truthful for a lot of things. The negative almost always yeah. really always sticks out more than the positive. So you have to be very careful. And uh, I, when I yeah. had Dr. Braxton Hunter on here with uh, Trinity Radio and uh, what is it, Trinity College of the Bible and Seminary, it's a really long name. But uh, when I had yeah. him on here, he was like, you know, we got to think very crucially and hard on what exactly we uh, 
take as the fundamentals? Like, what are the things that we are going to make sure are emphasized? And if, you know, and we have to take that seriously and think about it, really yeah. think about it, because what you're willing to cause division on is a serious issue. 100%. Yes, that's good. So, yeah. Anyway, so um, I, so now I guess to kind of shift it, we talked a lot about the IFB. Obviously, that's kind of your shtick because that's literally your podcast, which, you know, there's a, right. you can kind of keep you can kind of keep uh, pulling on that thread. It does more and more and more. Uh, <laughs> once in a while, I go to the Twitter feed, uh, IFB Preachers, just for a good time, where IFB Preacher yeah, clips buddy. where I just laugh at. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe I used to be in that world. But uh, so I guess what so many people <laughs> obviously look up to your ministry. Uh, like I said, that's how I got referred to you. But what do you think it is that makes people gravitate to your ministry? You know, honestly, I don't know. Um, it's the we've beard. We've trying to figure that out. It's the beard. You know, I think really uh, me and Nathan and Brian – well, I've known Brian for a long time. In fact, Brian, back when I lived in North Carolina, before I knew Jesus, was coming to preach at the church where I was at. And so we knew each other. We just didn't know each other. It's crazy how God, God's always at work. It might be behind the scenes, but he's always doing things we're completely unaware of. But one day we will benefit from. And, you know, it's crazy how 20 years ago this podcast started being put together. Nathan and I have been having this type of conversation for 20 years and I was driving to Texas. This is crazy. I was driving to Texas two Christmases ago. I was listening to some podcasts. Uh, we drive at night because I've got six kids and it's just easier for them to sleep. And I was just listening to podcasts and I was like, you know what? We really need to have a podcast. I started searching independent fundamental Baptist debunked or something like that. I, I was typing in all these words and there was nothing from folks having freedom from this legalism. And so I called at 2 a.m. in the morning. By the way, that's when me and Brian and Nathan talked the most on the, on the, that were the three hosts on the show. It, like 2 a.m. We're, we're sending each other memes and texts and calls and Classic. I know they're going to be up. My, my wife rolls over and she's like, are you talking to those guys again? Y'all are like a bunch of little girls. It's hilarious. But, um, <laughs> Brian and I just exchanged guilty glances. <laughs> exactly. It, it happens. Um, but I really think I, I called Nathan at 2 a.m. He said, what's up, dude? I said, man, listen, I've got to run a crazy Ivan by you. He said, what's that? I said, I really feel like we need to start a podcast. And these conversations that we're having about the stuff that makes us sick about independent fundamental Baptist legalism, all this, we need to put a microphone in front of us and just talk. He said, let's do it. I said, all right, we'll be back uh, next week. Let's chat. So we got back. We actually had another guy that was kind of in the mix with us. He's a pastor here locally. I knew him, went to Tennessee Temple with him. Great guy, great pastor. Um, we talked about it the first, uh, like the end of December, went for probably three weeks, and it just didn't, nothing happened. It was it was just quiet, silence. I'm starting to make a Facebook page, an Instagram page, just kind of getting the, the thing going. We met with that other guy, and it was just, it, it just didn't feel right. There was just... Me and Nathan were kind of wanting to take it one way, not a, uh, if you know the Bad Christian podcast, where they are very brace, abrasive and will use language, and they've been hurt by the church, and they come out with it. I love those guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great. And I think their podcast is awesome. It's filling a need, but there's 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 not a need where we're at. And we've lived in this world. All three of us are former independent fundamental Baptists. We're all pastors now. We've all pastored in the IFB, and now we're pastoring outside of the IFB. Um, and Nate and I just said, hey, let's just pray about this. The other guy kind of rolled off. We brought Brian in, who uh, he's a, he's our mature one. He's the old man of the group. And, and Brian knows everybody and their brother in this IFB world. And just with our connections between Brian, myself, and Nathan, um, we know a lot of people in this circle. We've been around the block. We've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, if you will. We've got enough people that hated us already before when we put our powers together. It was like, oh, here we go. We've got a super hate. Yeah. Um, we just said let's let's just do this, and so we honestly there is such an incredible. But we we view it as a ministry. Um, we're all pastors, but we really feel like this. I'm telling you, well, the the emails and the phone calls and the text messages that we're getting daily by the tens to twenties every day of people saying, "I found your podcast. It's such a breath of fresh air to hear you guys." Not. We're not bashing the church. We will do that, but we do it in love. Truth never fears a challenge. 
Truth is consistent with itself, and truth correlates with reality. Um, and so we want to speak truth. We say names. Um, we're not, there's there's a podcast out there, Higher Grounds podcast, that just called us out uh, for being reprobates and, and, you know, giving over to all this stuff, and we're degenerates and all this, and we're like, just say our name, bro. It's okay. So we, 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 we say names. We call pastors out. I mean, listen to our intro. I mean, come on. There's like nine pastors. I love that, that are, intro I'm so great. much. <laughs> We, I have listened to that thing a thousand times, and I love it. I mean, every every aspect of that. I think we're about to take out uh, uh, what's it, Jack Hiles saying? I sucked my th- my thumb till I was fourteen years old. We're going to replace that with Nathan Ranger, who was on the IFB Preacher clips, saying like it, lump it, dump it, or jump it. You can send it across the street and bump it or something like that. <laughs> uh, Nathan is Nathan's going to Nathan Ranger will leave the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement. That's our prayer. Um, we have been talking with him. He re- he talks to us on text messages. This dude is one of the most racist, homophobic guys you'll ever talk to in your life, but I really feel like there's some grace that's going to get to him. And I think, honestly, um, we knew that we would reach some folks. We knew that there was a lot of people in this world that have lived through this. Just like you said, we're just vocalizing what people have been trying to put words behind what they've been feeling for a long time. And with the uniqueness of us three, where Brian is the experience, Nathan is the scholar, and I'm just the comedy relief, if you will, it really meshes together. And, you know, our, our ideas, we, we don't talk over each other. We are three equal hosts on the podcast. Um, you know, like that Higher Grounds that I talked about, there's one dude that talked for 45 minutes and the other two hosts were barely getting a word in. I was like, dude, he needs to be like you and just go start his own podcast. You know, we're equal. Um, we, we don't we don't talk over each other. We, we agree. Um, there's a lot of things that we don't even agree on. Nathan is is completely and totally reformed. Me and Brian aren't, but we still come together because the scripture is what binds us together. And ultimately, we want everything to come back to scripture. Our, you know, our mission statement is that we want to we want to help. We want to we want to. Um, wow, I, I should really know our. Uh, hang on a second. You're all good. I don't even have a full mission statement. I just simply say, uh, what is it? Like we say uniting a divided body or we say unity through truth. That's that's all I got. So you're doing a lot better than me. Well, you know, we put this out there because we, we really feel like we want people to know that we're not just here to throw mud. We're not just here to bash preachers and to we, we don't want to get that that idea out there oh the recovering fundamentals podcast did you hear who they're making fun of today that's that's not what we want to be about because that junk happens all the time we want to help and encourage people whose lives have been negatively affected by fundamentalist legalism in the church and to challenge those who promote tradition over scripture that right there in a nutshell is why we're doing this. We want to help, we want to challenge, and we want to encourage. We want to help those who feel like they're going to hell in a handbasket because they've left the IFB or they're questioning the the thing that they've been taught their whole life. Why do I have to swim in blue jeans? Why why do I only have to listen to opera? I can't listen to Larnell Harris or Casting Crowns. Well, you should never listen to Casting Crowns. That's Brian's favorite. Um, but, you know, we... Um, just kidding. I love Casting Crowns, Best. even though every song sounds the same. Whoa! Um, Oh my word! He's <laughs> where's the lie though? I'm telling you, it's the voice of truth here. Um, <laughs> who am I though? Um, <laughs> we do this all. I wasn't ready. <laughs> we'll find a group and just go off their lyrics all night. But you know, we want to help people like that who are leaving, who are worried that they're going to be shunned of what their family, of their friends are going to say. And I'm telling you, we have people that have left the church. One of the things we've realized from doing this podcast is a lot of people, when they leave the IFB, they either leave the church completely because they can't distinguish doing anything but King James and the way that we've been taught and told. And so they just leave. There's a young man that's coming on that's a great guy who went atheist for 12 years complete atheist and because of the not because of the podcast but god has used the podcast to help bring him back around to realize there is hope there is life um and so we want to help them we want to encourage we want to encourage people we have a lot of people who are in the ifb church deep in it right now we want to encourage them you would be surprised i don't think you would be surprised some of your listeners may be how many pastors that are legalistic themselves because that's what's bringing in the paycheck I could say some names right now of people that you know that are listening to this. If you know anything in that world that would blow your mind, 
that one out, but they don't know how because that's where the bread and butter's at. And that we're, we're helping them, we're encouraging them to take those steps. And then ultimately we're challenging. Um, we're, we're going to the biggest people, the biggest players in this. And hey, let's have a conversation. We don't have to agree on everything, but let's have a conversation and, and just start seeing why. what is truth. Why is it this way? Why is it that way? And uh, we've only had one that has accepted our offer, Nathan Rager. And I'm glad he came on. We do have a young man from Asheville, North Carolina, named Andrew Sluter, um, who is a Ruckmanite. Um, he's going to be coming on here in a little bit. But I think honestly, it's just it, it, it's just that it's honest, it's real, it's fresh, it's practical, it's connected, and you know we're we're not fake. Like we don't put on who we are. We joke, we joke, we kid, um, we mess up, we call each other out if we're wrong, we hold each other accountable. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing is just, it's three dudes who have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and we're just talking about our experiences. That's why the earlier episodes, we're saying to folks are going in and listen, go back to the beginning because we shared our stories. We wanted to talk about our stories, not just, hey, here's why you shouldn't do that. Here's what we've lived through here's why we're talking about this tonight. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I mean, we just started this thing. We're what 12 episodes in and we just clicked over 300,000 downloads. And it's like mind numbing to think that number 12 episodes in. And we're that like, is okay, crazy. I need to step up it's, my game. <laughs> it's fun. Well, you come on and we'll, we'll, we'll help you up to your game because we've got the corner market. evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Right there, <laughs> <laughs> gold. Oh, uh, let me help you, you slimy peasant. Uh, so, no, that was no, no. I the, actually, you know, that's fantastic, and I think yes, the the gap you you bridged it so well, and that was one of the things where, like what I said, when I was working my way, I was like, why is there no one else saying this? And then when I found out that you guys were, I'm like, yeah. oh, thank you, somebody. Um, so. Obviously speaking, uh, you know, you speak out against the IFB a lot. So what would you say? Well, obviously, people get ticked. So you're going to get people who are angry yeah. and say things. Uh, so what do you say to people who say that you're attacking or causing division? What What would you say about that? Yeah, we just say truth doesn't fear a challenge. And we're like, Here, here's where we want you to say, we don't expect you to believe everything we say. We want you to do some, ex like, searching on your own. Um, people that will email us that call us everything under the sun, some people aren't nice about it. I mean, they they go at us. I mean, there's a reason we have a P.O. box, because well, I'm afraid somebody's going to send anthrax to my house. I mean, it's that crazy, you know, at certain times. But what we say to these people who are haters, if you want to call them that, or naysayers or whatever, I don't know what you want to call them, we just say, hey, we want you to investigate truth. You seek this out. Don't take everything we say this is what their culture is, is what the pastor says is what is true. And they never search it out for themselves. We live in a day and age where you preach something, somebody could sit in the pew in real time and Google and see if you're, what you're saying is true. How many of the stories back before Google were we able to like fluff and lie and make them think it's real? You say something now, somebody's going to fact check you right there in the moment, you know, and that that's what we want them to do. Hey, don't take what we're saying as fake because I mean, it's funny. We will have people be, that will call us or text us and they're like, is what y'all talked about on this last episode? Is that real? We're like, look it up yourself. You know, I mean, we're not lying. We're just being honest with you. And I, I think ultimately those folks hurt people, hurt people. And they are very hurt because they're stuck in something that they know is not right or is a tradition or is something that they want out of. They just don't know how to get out of it. And so the best thing to do is to attack the people that are trying to help them take that step out. I mean, my dog, you know, if he gets hit by, my dog got hit by a car and I was trying to help him move, but he's snapping at my hand because it hurt him. You know what I mean? If you're hurt, you're going to hurt the one that's trying to help you. And that's why, you know, we're wanting to do things beyond just an episode where we're talking. It, it's kind of like, I look at the IFB as a big pond. It's kind of a cesspool in certain ways. There's just a lot of things in it, but there's no outlet. And so things start getting stinky. Things come in there and they start dying. And we want to bring help to the hurt and, and also some hope in that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's actually a really good way to put it, like the, the hurt dog thing. That's a really fantastic way to put that. I really like that because, yeah, uh, people do hurt the, you know, they're going to hurt those who are, uh, they think are hurting them, you know, when you're trying to help them. Yeah. So, very true. I can't tell you how many times I've experienced that. I'm like, oh, wow, this is, hmm, wisdom from JC. Uh, so, um, I Googled it. 
<laughs> I Google. Did you fact? Did you do that? Well, your fact. Okay. I fact checked it right there. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, um, how do you believe shedding light? You kind of already mentioned this. So, if there's anything else you want to say here, how do you think that shedding light on yeah. these issues on the podcast and the recovering fundamentalists can help unite the church? You know that that's been something that we we really were burdened about. Like we don't want the podcast to become a cult following, if you will. We don't want it to be a religion on its own. Well, the guys at RFP said this, and we, we want people to question what they're being taught biblically. Why is your pastor King James only? Why is, but yet we also, we, we feel there is a historical precedence for this podcast for such a time as this, because we really do feel like there is a reform that needs to come. I, I, part of me doesn't know if, if new can come from this because they're so stuck in their ways, but we want people to see truth and continue to investigate that. And I believe that truth unites. Um, you know, we've had more people that have left the IFB that are out there wondering. And I believe that life is not meant to be lived alone. It is best when in the context of community. And so we're creating a community for people who have been out or people that are wanting to come out of that or people that have that are stuck in it that don't realize what they can do. And so we're creating community around them while they're going through that or while they're dealing with that hurt. And so in certain ways, we're helping unite so that way, while they're in the church, hopefully they can bring some change there. It's it's kind of like the model of, hey, you're in the middle of the mess, so we're going to give you healing so you can be healthy to help those that are around you bring some healing around. And hope, hopefully, you know, that's, that's how all of our stories, there was not this aha moment, but it was people that we saw differences in and changes in that helped all three of us kind of take those steps out to where we're at now. And we're like, who were the voices in our lives while we were going through this? We're the voices for a lot of people that in 5, 10, 15 years from now can look back and be like, man, those guys on RFP, they really helped me. They said this in that moment that was something that really helped me get to that next level. And so we're not wanting people to be like, eh, middle finger to my church, I'm out of here, you know, and just walk away and leave. We want to help the hurting in the midst of their pain, and hopefully they can stay where they're at and bring help to those folks that are right around them. Because, I mean, you know, I think of the man at the pool of Bethesda. I look at that story and I'm like, there's something wrong with this here. He got help, he got hurt, he got healed, he got hope, and he left. What about the people for 33 years that he was laying around? He had relationship with them. He got his healing and he ran away. We want people to stay. And I believe that's how change and unity is going to come to the IFB churches, is when they find that healing and that hope, they stay. They bring that help, that hope, that healing to those folks that are right around there. That is, yeah, no, that's... um. That's that. There's a lot of truth to that about just, try, just trying to be that person who brings that hope. I think of, you know, when you also talk about just how you're reaching these people, and when we think when we look at the state of Christianity today in in the U.S., it's like, man, if we could find a way to take that passion from the IFB world to get them dedicated to grace and truth, and yeah. be able to feel that because we're so divided as a church, we're so busy fighting each other that we're really being ineffective for the gospel. You know, you we mentioned 100%. Ravi Zacharias was one one of the people that hit you. He was one of the people that hit me and I was like he just passed and look at the millions of people who he yeah. impacted and guess what he didn't always wear a suit he didn't preach out of the King James he didn't sit there and sing nothing but a bunch of hymns and whatnot and it's just like yeah. you know and here but yeah he made an impact for a huge impact for Christ arguably one of the greatest yeah. ones I've, uh, since like what I don't know Billy Grant I don't know you mentioned awesome. it yeah fun fact though me and uh, me and Nathan, the two old parts, we went to a passion conference in Atlanta with Louie when Robbie preached, and I, I fell asleep. Dude, his voice put me to sleep, and Nate's got me on video, like, snoring, and I'm like, man, the, one of the last times that Robbie Zacharias stood in front of a group and preached, I slept through it. <laughs> I you, was like, I Christian. <laughs> I, I could strangle you right now. Uh, I would have killed for that moment. I uh, know that's, he's just got, he's just like that wonderful Indian grandfather with just that lulls you to sleep. His voice is so calming. I get it. Uh, it so, day and I have six kids. I don't sleep. So. <laughs> that's true. That's why we're talking at this hour. So, um, but uh, so real quick, when the last question I have for you is what would your biggest advice be to those in the IFB movement? right now who are feeling the same way because many people they get to this point where they're going now they're questioning they're looking they're seeking what is your advice to them know 
that it is not a sin to ask why. To know that it is not you're not going to hell in a handbasket to question the tradition, the what's being preached. Don't don't start a revolt. Don't start, you know, coming against the pastor. So no riots? No riots. Too soon? Okay. Let's not get off. Yeah, too soon. So don't don't start that. But no, and this is a big thing because I knew that there was some doubts that I was having about the traditions, about the things that were happening. But I felt in my soul that I'm sinning because I'm questioning the traditions. I think that's the biggest thing for somebody that's listening to this that, that feels like there's got to be more. Know that you're not sinning when you're asking why. Doubts are okay. Jesus understands when we have doubts. I've got doubts. Like, I'm a pastor. I think all pastors are on edge right now because we cannot please anybody right now. We cannot help anybody. You say too much, you're racist. You don't say enough, you're racist. You don't. You, there's, there's really not anything that we can do right now to help other than just continue to be consistent. And so I think in, in this... I see you want to say something. Did you want to throw in right there? I'm just, it's so true. I, I say all the time, like, oh. I do this and I upset you. I do this and I upset you. And all I'm trying to do is preach the gospel. So I disagree with you so much so right there. I resonate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think for those that are listening that want to that want to get out, investigate truth. Truth You've heard this before. It's what sets you free, and it really will. Um, it, it re- don't be afraid um, when you start investigating that truth. There's going to be some shocking things, if you will. Um, listen, Jesus never said following him would be easy, but he did say that it would be worth it. And so as you're going through this, that you know, there's going to be some heartache. There's going to be some loss of friends. There's going to be some folks that say some horrible things about you. But if you feel that some of the things, the tradition, here, here's a great example. Go ask your pastor, why do we believe King James only? Why are we no drums in our music? I mean, if your pastor is any kind of godly, he's going to sit down and have that conversation with you. And I think just kind of begin to question some of the stuff in that, not in a, a sinful like, oh, this, and, and starting a blog in the prayer chain, but know that it's okay to ask why i think that's the it's simple it's almost too simple but i think that's the biggest thing is if we just had enough folks that didn't just go along with the flow because it's the way that we've always done it if it was good for peter and paul it's good enough for me well no that's a you know if if they stand up and say well you know there's eight people at church tonight where two or three are gathered in my name that's talking about church discipline there's your first red flag i mean come on you know we got a lot of lot of things in there so i think know that it's okay to ask why. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Thank you. So that was because I was like, when I first started, like I said, I, I started writing a blog just uh, like is the music controversy was one post. And, you know, I did all these different posts asking yeah. these things. The same thing it was like, okay, why, why I looked into this, this is what I came out with and there's nothing in here. And so there is nothing wrong with asking why. And in fact, the entire book of Habakkuk isn't just Habakkuk asking why to his pastor. He's asking why to God. Yeah. Like, yeah. and he's, he's, and God never went, how dare you ask me a question, child? No, like, exactly. like it's asking why is good and you need good reasons and investigate the reasons. Take, I would even say take notes, right? And those means like, okay, this, this, and this. All right, yeah. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to look into this that you're saying because I want to yeah. make sure it's the truth because Paul says that the church is the pillar of truth. And yeah. so that means we have to care about the truth first and everything else second. So, JC, I really appreciate you coming on, man. This is this has been fantastic, and I, I really just wanted another chance for anyone who listens to my show to find out about this podcast. Um, and I wanted others to, you know, just know the fact that they're not alone out there. So, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. No problem, JC. All right. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you can, please, JC is here. Uh, follow them at the Recovering Fundamentalist and go check out their podcast. Download it. Reach out to them if you need any help. Know you're not alone. There's a community there, too, you could talk to. Maybe someone in your area that you could even get with. So uh, anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. And this has been The Church Split.